0: In parenting, we do often have to make those sacrifices where it doesn't have to be a longer process. It could just be getting a little bit creative. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcella, And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Marcella. How are you today?
1: I'm very excited. So I'm happy because. We are entering fall. Yes. October is around the corner. And if you live in Phoenix, you know that you're ready. You know that you're ready.
0: Yeah. It's so, how hot is the summer in Phoenix? It could get to 120. That's so mind blowing. That's so crazy. It's so hot. I've heard that the summers in Phoenix are more like people just want to go inside because it's just miserable outside.
1: Yes. Picking up the twins in the 120 degrees especially when I go in and they haven't left yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like a fried egg when they come out of school. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Those little transitions could be hard. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast episode, how to manage our triggers through daily transitions. Mm -hmm. Because when the twins come out of school and I'm tired and I'm frying like an egg and they're 120 degrees, they're, they're due too. They're, they're coming out of school and they're tired, they, they're hot, they're sticky, they want to relax. And as much as I've been doing parenting with understanding, they're still kids.
0: Yeah.
1: And that could get on them. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And it could be challenging. So that's going to be the, the topic for this episode. Yes. Absolutely. But before we go there, you have something,
0: a very exciting thing to say. I do. Yes. And this is actually going to support you guys in this transition, the daily transitions of your day with your children as well. I have a new masterclass now. It is the three secrets to end the cycle of yelling and overreacting as a parent. And I know that many people who are gentle parenting are also in the process of healing their own childhood trauma, reparenting themselves. And in that process, we often find ourselves still yelling at our children, still overreacting, and we so desperately want to end the cycle. So I saw the need to create another free class to help parents do that. So I'm really excited. That's going to be this Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Registration is super easy. You just open the description of this podcast episode and there will be a link there to register. And
1: if you've been waiting to enroll in the Parenting with Understanding program, at the end of the class, you will be offered an opportunity to enroll at a very special price. So it's going to be win-win. You don't have to stay if you're good just with the class. But for the ones who ask, when is the next time that I could access a sale of the course? This is the time.
0: This is the time. Awesome. Okay, so... I hear from parents all the time, and I'm sure you do too, that transitions are just a difficulty in a lot of stages of life. But specifically with school, when children are transitioning out of summertime, there's a lot of freedom. And now they are flung into the routine changing at home. And then there's a whole lot of structure inside their schools and classrooms and stuff like that. So what would be a piece of advice that you would offer to parents that are dealing with that?
1: Mm. Okay. Number one, from being a parent who's in it, how are you doing? How are you feeling right now? Like in your, in your thermometer, where are you at? Where are you at right now? Before checking on your kids, check on yourself. Where am I at? I've been running like chicken with no head. (laughs) trying to get them to school how, how am I like before I tell them to put their shoes on check take a deep breath and check with yourself how am I feeling right now because if you rush and anxious and then you tell them to put their shoes on with that rush and anxious energy they're going to receive that and guess yes. what's going to happen for them they're going to mirror that back to you and for them it's going to come maybe in a form of a tantrum. Yeah,
0: I I have also seen a lot with with parents in the mornings, especially whenever there is that anxious energy that they kind of wake up and they're maybe dreading the morning a little bit because it's been a struggle every single morning or most every morning up to this point and so they're not really waking up with that peace and joy and hopefulness for the morning routine. So in that energy, sometimes we, we tend to get a little bit demanding with our kids and we kind of like surprise them with our transition demands. Like, okay, it's time to get dressed, go get your clothes on. And they may be in the middle of something that feels more fun or that they're really enjoying or something like that. And the way that I like to, um, uh, what's the right word? I like to liken parenting to adult scenarios so that we are able to understand our children more. So imagine you are in the middle of one of your favorite Netflix series and your spouse barges in and says, okay, it's time for you to do the dishes. Come on, let's go over it. Let's get in here and clean the kitchen. And you're thinking, (laughs) okay, first of all, I know that the dishes need to be done, but I'm not ready to do them yet, right? That's kind of what it's like whenever our kids know that they have to get dressed for school, right? They they have an understanding that they go to school in clothes that are not pajamas, unless it's pajama day at school, okay? But if they're in the middle of doing something in the morning, maybe they're eating breakfast, they're watching a TV show, and we barge in and say, okay, it's time to get dressed for school, that feels very simil- similarly to them that it would for us if we were sitting down watching a show and our husband came in and barked a command at us, right? So what I would encourage parents to do is just try one little tweak, and that is to give your children warnings, timer warnings. And if your children don't know how to to tell time yet, a visual timer, something that they can actually see, like a sand timer, Um, you can look up visual timers on Amazon as well. But it gives them an idea of the time counting down in a visual form. So they understand, okay, 15 minutes is this much on a clock. And i it's getting less and less and less. So now I know that I'm getting closer to that next thing that I have coming up. And the verbiage that I would say is, hey, I can tell that you're watching your show right now in 15 minutes. It'll be time to get dressed. I'm going to set your timer right here. And you can turn a 15 minute sand timer over, or you can turn that visual primer to the 15 minute mark and let your children count it down and maybe give them little reminders along the way. Okay. Five minutes left until it's time to change your clothes, Um, finish up what you're doing now, you know, something along those lines. And that just kind of eases them into it rather than just abruptly telling them all right it's time to do something else
1: for me is understanding what really triggers me about a transition and for me the biggest trigger is to feel rushed in time and then we we leave the situation with Santi and it was that I was waking up at 6 30 I would work out fast 30 minutes and then I was with this high energy of the workout to wake them up, to get them ready, to go to school and then I was in this really high energy when they were just coming out of their sleep and then it created this really anxious energy for Santiago especially, my my sensory needs child and it was becoming this kind of anxiety that every morning he was just cry. From the moment he woke up to the moment I dropped him off at school. And then with Brian, we started thinking, like, what can we do? And then we noticed that it was my anxious energy, my up here, just out of the workout energy, what put his little body, his nervous system in hack. Like, I'm not ready to match you. I'm not ready to be up there with you. So understanding how our energy affects them. It's really big, and and then from there we planned, and then we say, okay, Marcela, okay, you come out of the workout, you just you were done just with a tabara cardio workout and you're up here. Yeah. How are you going to bring yourself down? So when you go and wake them up, you're not up here, but you're in kind of like in a more calm down state. So I put my alarm now. It's not six thirty. It's five forty five. So it is 6.45 when I'm done working out and I have 15 minutes to take the breaths, to stretch, to bring my nervous system from this sympathetic mobilization to just calm myself down. And when I go and open their blinds and turn their lights on to wake them up, my nervous system is more relaxed and it changed it changed. He hasn't cried going to school since I've been doing that. So how can, like, before you think about what to do with the kid that is defiant, that is crying, that is not willing to put the shoes, think, what is the energy that you're bringing into the situation and how can you prepare? Maybe waking up at 6.30 is not working. Maybe you need to wake up at 5.45, right? Yeah. Now I feel yeah. tired. I wish I, w- I want to have a nap, but still like it's a good trade off. It's a good, like, I-, I like that, uh, that in the mornings I'm able to work out and then relax and then they, they wake up and I'm in a better place.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this. I have heard that children will reserve their biggest emotional reactions for the people that they feel safest with so especially in the beginning of transitioning back to school when your children get back in your car after a day of being at school with a new teacher i think that you mentioned in earlier episodes this month that one of your children's teachers had broken her leg so there have been a lot of substitute teachers so there's really not been a lot of consistency And we know that our children thrive with consistency and dysregulate when there is a lack thereof. So I am curious, you find that to be true, that your children and that other children um, of the parents that you coach, they have children that are reserving those big emotional reactions for when they get in the car and get home after school. And what you do about that as a parent.
1: (laughs) I remember three days ago, They came out of the school, and they always come out with the teacher, the teacher up front, and then the kids following in a little line. And I noticed it wasn't wasn't their teacher. I'm like, oh, this is a substitute. Okay, I'm going to prepare myself. And then I saw the twins in line, and as soon as as they saw me, they came out of line. They told the teacher, like, my mom is there, and they came out of line. And Miguel, he took off his backpack, and he swatted me with his backpack, and he said... I didn't have Miss Horn today. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> he swatted me with his backpack. It was that, like, he he needed that immediate release. And it was, I felt embarrassed because they were their parents looking at me. <laughs> but I wasn't the place to address that because it was in the middle of, of, of a pickup, cars all over, kids all over, teachers all over, parents all over. It was too much, even for me.
0: Okay, we got to pause right there because I know that we've got some listeners listening to this going, okay, something similar has happened to me. And how do you stop yourself from overreacting in that moment? How do you handle that, especially the embarrassment? Because I think this is a perfect scenario where a lot of parents would move, even gentle parents would move to correcting in that moment because of the embarrassment. So how do you stop yourself from doing that?
1: I did enter in my fight and flight. My default response is always running away. So it's not fighting, it's fleeing. And I remember I, I took the back and I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> so that was my initial reaction. It could have been fighting them if if fight were my initial reaction, but my initial reaction was fleeing. Okay, let's get out of this. Let's go. Yeah. So I wasn't acknowledging feelings. I didn't go to his level. I didn't say, I understand what's going on. It was the initial reaction.
0: Like, go, let's go. Okay. And that makes sense. And actually that might be a little bit comforting. So if we have parents that do have the default response of fighting and they do overreact in that moment or they do yell in that moment, but then they're able to recognize that. It's all
1: about reparation. Okay, so what would have happened if I would have acted that way? Okay, let's go. Uh, yeah, too much for me. Let's go and then leave it at, at that. He, my child would have would have not had the time to process what happened to have reparation back with me. And it's the same thing. If I would have said, "Oh, I dare you to," but like, what did you did? Like, what? Are you, something wrong with you? If I would have fought and then not repair, then okay, there is something there like missing. But if your default parenting reaction is to yell or to run away or whatever your parenting reaction is, and then you come back to yourself and then you repair after, that's what children need. That
0: is, yes.
1: We don't need perfect parenting.
0: That's right. Yeah. And I, I imagine that's super comforting to some of the listeners because they're thinking, oh, man, yeah, I've, I've had this pressure. Be perfect. I've had this pressure to always understand the need in the moment first. No, I
1: didn't understand the need. I didn't understand
0: the need. I, I just wanted to flee. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, well, what would have been the ideal response in that scenario? Is it possible to do that? Is it possible to not overreact? To not freeze? To not flee? To not fight back? Yes, it is. It is possible to do that in those moments. And I want to encourage you to sign up for the free masterclass where we're going to be talking about that specifically. We'll cover this scenario where your child does something that you initially want to overreact to. You may want to freeze or flee or fight, and we'll talk about how to end that cycle. So with with bedtime transitions, I know that that's often a huge struggle with parents that have preschoolers, grade schoolers, preteens, maybe even like getting them to get ready and actually go to bed, get off their phones and go to bed. Um, usually preteens and teens want to be little night owls. Um, so I am curious, what, how could we encourage the parents in those bedtime transitions to make those run smoothly?
1: Okay, so with my teens in foster care, I completely released that responsibility on them. And if they decided to just stay up and be tired the next day, then they carry the natural consequence. (laughs) With the twins, it's different because they they need more help. They don't have that sense of responsibility yet. Yesterday, we had a little struggle with brushing teeth at bedtime. No, I'm not going to brush. No, he wasn't saying that he didn't want to brush his teeth. He was just ignoring the situation. And then I I remember thinking, I'm so tired. I don't want to be playful. I didn't feel like being playful. I, I, and I'm not naturally a silly person. I mean, I could be silly, and I've been silly with the twins when I'm in, I'm in a good mood, but I'm not naturally silly. But then I remember my coach, she told me, you don't have to be silly to be playful. How can you be playful with even when you're tired? So I, I went to him with the toothbrush, and I said, oh... Let me see. There is a button in, that, in this face that opens the mouth. And then I touch the tip of his nose. Is this the button? And then he looked at me. and He said, no. I'm like, where is the button? And then he said, you have to guess. I'm like, oh, OK, let me guess. And then I touch the forehead. I touch the cheek. I'm like, I give up. Can you please tell me? He said, oh, you didn't see it? It was the whole time here. And then he touched the top of his lip. And that was it. Like, was I silly? Like, no, I didn't have a clown voice or silly. I wasn't jumping around. I wasn't dancing or singing. But in a playful way, I was handling that refusal and and it worked.
0: (laughs) I love that so much. My sister recently asked me with my nephew who is in preschool. um, She was saying, like, I'm having the hardest time getting him to get his diaper changed And, um, this could go for, it would probably need to be some of your younger children, but preschoolers and maybe even like young grade schoolers. But I asked her, does he have a toy that he really connects with? And she said, Oh, he loves his dinosaurs. And I said, well, I wonder what he would think about dinosaur getting a diaper change. Ah, yes. She said, she was like, I have never thought about that. And I said, he has a hand puppet dinosaur mouth. And I said, what if you let him Put the hand puppet dinosaur on his hand, and that dinosaur got to pick out his diaper, and that dinosaur got to pick out his shirt for school, and his wipes to wipe his booty, and it's like, you know, like dinosaur was the one that picked it out. And so she told me the other day that she tried that, and she said he didn't fight me. He didn't. He was like. Totally there for it. He did want to put a diaper on the actual, like an actual diaper on a dinosaur. <laughs> but like, okay, we'll we'll put a diaper on the dinosaur. And anyway, it was it's pretty cute to think about. You know, children do learn through play. So I think that that's a great tip for those transitions where even when you're tired. <sighs> Sometimes I feel like in parenting, we do often have to make those sacrifices where it doesn't have to be a longer process. It could just be getting a little bit creative, like there's a button for this mouth somewhere or you really love your dinosaurs. I wonder if, if your dinosaur needs his teeth brushed and like. Pretending like you see a cavity in the dinosaur's mouth and saying, oh, goodness, we need to brush that cavity away. What toothbrush should we use? You know, should we brush the dinosaur's teeth in the bathtub or in the shower or whatever it is? Just getting a little bit playful and a little bit creative can make those transitions so, so much better.
1: So you either choose that or you choose dealing with the power struggle and the tantrum. So either way, you are still spending time with your kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And one brings connection and the other breeds disconnection. Yes. And I think every loving parent wants more connection with their kids. So try that. Try, try a little bit of playfulness at night.
1: I wonder if that playfulness thing in, for people who have traditional thinking is, I'm giving into tantrum, into the tantrum here. Like I already told them once or twice to brush teeth. Me getting yeah. all this playful is giving into him and, and just like they feel permissive tapping into playfulness. I wonder that.
0: I would bet you're right about that. And I think that my argument, if you will, I don't know if it's really an argument, but my advice to that parent would be to understand that playfulness is actually a basic need for all of us as humans. And when we, we tend to make those things like teeth brushing, diaper changes, getting ready for, for bed, getting your pajamas on, and even getting up in the morning, eating your breakfast, putting on your clothes, getting your backpack ready, making your lunch. We, we tend to look at and therefore present those things as chores to our kids. And playfulness around those things actually makes them more fun and therefore meets one of our needs. I, I will tell you as a grown adult, if I want to enjoy getting my house cleaned, I need to turn on some really fun music. For me, it's usually Shania Twain radio on my Pandora station, and I just dance around the house doing all the things, and I, just, I sing all my old Shania Twain songs that I absolutely loved, and you know that creates playfulness and fun for me to be able to get the mundane things done with joy and with peace and without this oh i've got to clean my house you know our kids feel the same way and i think that that what we're what we want to do every loving parent wants to set their children up well for adulthood and i look back at those times in my life where I was told to clean my room and told to do the dishes and things like that. And I think if my parents had made those things more fun, like if they had introduced playfulness into those things, I don't think they would feel like such a chore in adulthood. That's true.
1: I say it because I hear it and I read it every single day, pretty much in the comments in TikTok. Not every adult is going to cater to your child's feelings. Not every adult is going to be playful. So they need to learn to navigate the not so playful, nice adults. They have plenty of opportunities to do that in the world. My twins do it at jujitsu. They do it at school, I'm sure. And as offering that playfulness doesn't mean they're gonna not succeed when they face those environments because I've seen my twins succeeding in those traditional environments.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when we when we fill their need for fun, they're less likely to look to unhealthy resources to do so. You know, again, we all have a need for fun. And when we find ways to make the everyday things fun in a very healthy way, we're less likely to look at things that aren't healthy to fulfill that need. So I, I understand where parents are coming from and I understand what traditional mindsets have done to us. But. They really have, traditional mindsets really do limit us in so many ways and keep us in this perpetual cycle where we are constantly struggling for control over our children. And we are constantly holding them to higher expectations than we hold ourselves. And we are constantly in this disconnect cycle. And I want to help parents break that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I know you do too. Yes. (laughs) Well, if you got anything out of this episode, we want to encourage you to write a review and tell other parents how you're enjoying the Parenting with Understanding podcast. If you don't already follow us on social media, you can find us at TikTok and Instagram at High Impact Club and The Considerate Mama. And if you are a customer of HIC Parenting, meaning you have any of our resources at all, you can also join our private Facebook group, the HIC Cycle Breaker Community. We absolutely love that community. There's so much support and guidance there. And don't ever forget that it only takes understanding to break your cycle. We'll see you next month. Bye.